Welcome to Church Media HQ. I am your host, Luke Clayton, and I am really glad to have you with us for this episode. Now, I just got done watching the WWDC from Apple, which stands for the Worldwide Developer Conference, and that is what we are going to be discussing today. But before we get started, I do want to remind you to make sure you are subscribed wherever you are listening to podcast, also our YouTube channel. That way you don't miss any of our latest episodes and content when it releases. And if you haven't yet, check out our other free resources like our free graphic of the week where we simply send you a new graphic including uh, the actual images as well as editable Photoshop files. And we send that to you completely free. Sometimes it's a new social graphic. Sometimes it's something that you could maybe use for a sermon or a series. Sometimes it's something seasonal, something about the current time of year or an upcoming holiday, something like that. And again, it is a brand new free graphic sent right to your inbox every year or every week rather for a full year. So sign up for free at churchmediahq.com. That's churchmediahq.com. Get the free graphic of the week delivered right to your inbox every week, completely free churchmediahq.com. Well, Apple just had its worldwide developer conference, and I'm kind of one of those nerds who, uh, for the longest time, I was very consistent on every time Apple had a event, I would watch it live, and I would, you know, take it all in. Uh, in recent years, it's been a little bit more difficult to keep up with every single event in terms of live. They have three or four of them a year, depending on on the year, and so actually watching it live is something I don't get to do as often. However, uh, I was able to watch today's and I want to kind of uh, give you the summary because I'll tell you this is nearly a two hour long event. If you want to go watch it on Apple's website, go for it. But I want to give you what is relevant, probably most relevant, I should say to you, because the thing about the Worldwide Developers Conference is that it is geared for just that developers. So it is designed for those who are developing apps and softwares for Apple's platforms. And therefore, they tend to focus in on some really technical things. And so I'm going to hit what I believe are the high points are the points that are most applicable to the average consumer and the, the parts that I believe will be most helpful to you as uh, a leader, as someone who's maybe using what Apple has to you know, do what you do, what you do on a daily or even weekly basis and so on and so forth. And so let's jump right into it. The first aspect that they covered was the the coming iOS 16. So we're currently on iOS 15. This would be iOS 16, which is designed to run on Apple's iPhones. And the biggest, the first thing that they covered was the iPhone lock screen custom, the ability to customize your iPhone lock screen more. If you have an Apple Watch, this is kind of what they've done. They've taken this concept of your Apple Watch, you're able to customize the face of your Apple Watch. They've basically taken that concept and translated it over to the iPhone. So you can adjust the styles, the colors, the fonts. Uh, you can actually um, play with widgets on your lock screen. 
screen. Uh, you can have multiple uh, lock screens that you can switch in between the different lock, uh, lock screens at will if you want that all have different functionalities. They're moving the notifications on your lock screen to the bottom and uh, in this interesting way. And of course, I will say uh, that is the one thing that you would benefit from actually going and watching it or at least looking it up on Apple's website is to see a visual demo of how this works. I'm doing my best to describe it to you. But uh, yeah, the notifications at the bottom of the screen. And then they have something interesting where uh, they called it some type of, I forget the exact term they used, but it was a more or less a live mode for notifications. So for example, the best uh, example that they gave, I think was being able to live watch updates on scores on a sports, uh, a game from like a sports team. So you could watch the score, you could watch the time that was left and so forth. And so all of that happens right there live on your lock screen. So uh, instead of just getting constant push notifications or having to ask uh, Siri, you know, what was going on in terms of their uh, of, of like, hey, give me the update to the to the game. Uh, it gives you a little live ticker there at the bottom. I think that's pretty cool. And so that is that. Also with the lock screen, it's going to be associated more with the focus modes. Now, focus modes is something introduced last year that I have really come to enjoy. With focus modes, you actually can set based on times, based on times of the day, based on apps that are open. You can set these certain uh, notif or uh, uh, settings for your really your notifications. And so, for example, if you try to text me or call me uh, during the mornings, uh, I'm not going to get notified about that because I have a work focus on. It knows that my phone, I've told it between this hour and this hour not to give me certain notifications with the exception of some people. That way I can focus in on doing work. Also it applies when I have certain apps open. So for example, right now even while I am recording, I have a focus mode uh, that I've made for, uh, for actual recording. And so therefore, uh, I I am, I'm not able to get certain notifications while I'm recording this content. That way I don't get interrupted by phone calls, text messages, like that. So what they've done now is they've taken that focus mode and they've actually allowed it because the other nice thing about focus mode is that you could, you could in a, already, you can enable certain apps and uh, app pages on your phone. Once you unlock your phone, you can enable certain app pages to be associated with certain focus modes. So for example, if I'm in work mode, it's not going to show me my social media or streaming apps or, or whatnot so that I'm not distracted by those apps during work mode. And now they're doing the same thing with the lock screen. So if you're in a certain focus mode, it'll have a certain, it, you can associate a certain lock screen with that. So for example, again, if you're in a work mode, you could have maybe a uh, more professional photo as your background if you wanted a more uh, work vibes looking type of font and colors and, and, and widgets and all of that. So very interesting, you know, like I said, it kind of, if you have an Apple Watch, it feels feels very much like that, being able to customize those watch faces. Now you can do that same thing with your lock scrum. Now, I think that probably the most practical feature coming in iOS 16 to the iPhone which, by the way, all of this uh, also translates to the iPad and so forth. That's that's another thing nowadays. So many of these features cross to different uh, actual operating systems and platforms on their different devices. That pretty much everything I'm, I'm going to mention right here is also available on iPad, and many of them are available on Mac as well. And again, if you check out Apple's website, you can get a full uh, wrap your mind fully around what each software is going to do. But the best one that I think I think it might have been one of the most practical ones announced across the board is now in your messages and your iMessages, you can actually edit messages after you send and you can unsend 
a message. This is a feature that's been available in uh, uh, apps like WhatsApp, Instagram Messenger, uh, maybe Facebook Messenger. This has been available in apps like that for a while, and now that's coming to your actual messages. So if you send a message to the wrong person, you can unsend it. Or if you uh, you know misspell something, you can edit it and correct it uh, potentially before the recipient reads it. And what I've really been wanting for a long time is to be able to mark messages as unread. Uh, this is a popular feature of most email uh, clients and, and, and when you manage your email. And so now if you get a message, you can mark it as unread. That's going to be big for me because there's so many times when somebody sends me a message, I read it. I'm not able to reply right then and there. And then I forget to uh, get back to that message. And so being able to mark it as unread kind of reactivates that notification and lets you know, oh yes, I have a message here that I need to read and respond to and act on. So that's really cool there. There were some cool things about dictation, uh, but for sake of time, I'm not going to go there. It really isn't a good update to dictation. Uh, but like I said, just for sake of time, I'm going to move on. Uh, you also, uh, last year they did release a feature where you could have, uh, you could take a photo of something with text. And then the uh, camera would intelligently uh, basically decipher the actual text that you could copy and paste. So if I took a picture of a sign with a phone number on it, I could copy that phone number and paste it in notes or in messages, or I could even intelligently tap on that phone number and call. This was really cool to see. And honestly, it's one of those features, I didn't believe it till I saw it when it actually came out. And now uh, it has been so useful. You take a photo of uh, some type of piece of paper or a business card or something, and you've got all the information that you can copy and paste right there. Well, they're taking that to the next level in that, first of all, they now have that live text feature in videos. So if you're watching a video, you can pause the video and it'll analyze that frame of the video and you can copy and paste text out of that video. Um, and then also they're allowing you to, to do this live text with translation. So for example, you could translate something, they demonstrated a menu in a different language, maybe at a Italian restaurant or something, and you could take a picture of it and it would live translate that those languages right there in the camera app and the or in the translate app rather via the camera. And so really cool stuff there. Also, there's this visual lookup, uh, which again, you have to see it to really understand what it does, but they demonstrate it with an image of a dog. Take, it looks like they took a picture of a dog outside with some type of, I can't remember, some type of scenery behind him. And they literally selected and held the dog and were able to pull it from the foreground and then copy that as a standalone kind of like PNG with a transparent background. Again, you have to go look at this to really see it. This is also one of those things I'm going to have to use it myself to believe that it actually works as well as they demonstrated. But if it's anything as good as uh, their demonstration of the live text feature, this is going to be really, really cool. So again, you kind of have to see that to fully comprehend, but nonetheless, it is a really awesome thing. They also did some updates with the wallet. A thing I like to see is their digital IDs finally coming. Uh, there are available apparently in Maryland and Arizona. And I guess they have, I think they said 11 other states where it's in the works right now. And uh, this is really cool because basically, I mean, once your state adopts this uh, and, and it kind of gets adopted across the board, like they're saying many uh, TSA checkpoints are already working with this, uh, you could in theory not have to carry a physical ID or license anymore. And that is something that I have been wanting for the longest time. So it's cool to see that that's developing. They got things now with digital keys, which you've probably seen that. Uh, you may have seen that at certain hotels where instead of being handed an actual key, uh, card key, key 
card. Uh, it's all done through your phone. You just scan your phone. Uh, I know this is hit and miss as far as if it works consistently right now, but it's something they're continuing to uh, continuing rather to develop. They had a lot of updates in Maps. I don't really care about Maps. I use Waze because until they enable Apple Maps to tell me where the cops are along my route, I'm going to keep using Waze because Waze does just that. So <laughs> for sake of that, I'm skipping over Waze. Also did some stuff about sports and Apple News. Again, going to skip it. You can check that out later. Now, here is something I think is worth noting is what they've done with family sharing. So uh, right now, or, or, or well, really, I guess it's been a while, uh, Apple enabled you to be able to link up iCloud accounts and, and indicate someone as a family. So you could have, you know, you and your spouse and your kids uh, all lumped together in a family unit and then be able to share purchases of apps and iTunes content and so forth across each other. And this has been a really nice feature, uh, I will say. Uh, and you can have up to five family members. Well, something that they added last year, I believe it was last year or the year, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was last year, was this ability to remote uh, remote parental control. So for example, I can pull up my phone or my iPad and I can see the devices that my daughter is using and I can remotely manage what she can and cannot do on her phone. Parents, I cannot emphasize enough how you need to be taking advantage of features like this. Uh, I, I, I've really, I, I, for sake of time again, I'm not going to go too far down this hole, but uh, there is a lot uh, that you that can be, I, I believe, benefited from children to not completely limit tech, but not give them complete untethered access to tech either. There's this uh, aspect of limited control. It's kind of, I think the term I've heard is slow tech rather than no tech. So slowly allow your children to use, uh, learn how to use rather devices and technology under your supervision. And features like this really allow you to tap into that. So if you've got kids, you really need to look into this of, of, of taking your kids and putting them on a kid's profile with any devices they have and controlling them. Um, and so now they're actually making that even easier and quicker to set up in, in what will come in iOS 16. Uh, and, uh, and then this is also allows you to respond to things like, you know, if you put a screen time limit on certain types of apps, games, or social media, uh, your kids could request more time and say, Hey, I need 10 more minutes. And you can reply right on your phone. Yes, no. And, and, and so forth. So this is again, not something new, just something that they are building upon, but parents really need to take advantage of this. And, and what I do like to see is Apple making it easier than ever for parents to uh, to really lo uh, to lock down their kids' iPhones uh, and, and devices there. Uh, with that, they're also adding uh, the ability to have a, a shared iCloud photo library. Now, this is something that Google Photos has been doing for a while, but now you can share all or select photos of maybe certain people with your entire family. So for example, I could share my uh, entire pictures of, of my daughter with everyone else in my family that wants to see pictures of her, which is pretty much everybody parents and grandparents and uh, uncles and aunts, uh, I could say, hey, let me share this with you. And then anytime we have a photo taken of my daughter, you're going to see it. Or if I really wanted to be crazy, I could share them with all my photos. Uh, but you, whether you wanted to share all your photos or just select photos, it will do it automatically. Also, if it automatically detects photos of people in in photos that you take, it will share them with the family in real time. And of course, you can you can tweak the settings to do it as you want. But these are the capabilities 
that you could take advantage of uh, with that. So that is iOS. That that is iOS 16 itself. Now they did take a moment to talk about the Home app, and the only thing worth noting here is that we are seeing something through a a initiative they call Matter. Uh, right now, you've got the different. Uh, you've got you've got Apple, you've got uh, Alexa and Amazon, you've got Google. All of these are different smart devices, and of course, they're completely different companies and ecosystems. Where Apple is kind of leading this initiative called Matter that connects all of them. So it's kind of a universal level of the playing field, so that all these devices can start to communicate and connect with each other. And I will say this is going to be a welcome change if you do have smart devices, uh, smart devices rather, in your home. Uh, th this way. Uh, your, your, in theory, your Amazon Alexa device, your Echo device, will also be able to communicate with your uh, with devices that are communicating with uh, Siri. And so I'm really looking forward to this change. I, they didn't really give a lot on that as far as where they're at on it, but it is something they made sure to note of. And, and so I think we'll see more of that in the coming years. Now, moving on from IO. There are a few other features. I'm going to skip them again for sake of time. Uh, but uh, moving on from iOS, they do have updates for watchOS 9. But again, for sake of time, I'm going to move on because a lot of them are just very... Uh, the watch is great for you know getting your notifications on your wrist, telling the time. It's, it's a really great be really great at telling the time. So well, imagine that a watch that's good at telling time. It's pretty great. Uh, but uh, but uh, one of, it is nice. I think one of the, the, the biggest... Uh, if you will, feature selling points of the watch is the activity and health features. And they are they are constantly making improvements to that. And again, if you're a developer or you're really, really crazy into health or medicine, you would really appreciate these. I do like being able to track exercise and stuff on my watch. I take advantage of that. However, I, uh, I'm not just so into it that I want to rehash everything they discussed and a lot of it again is kind of high level stuff and uh, and so if you want to watch that go check out the actual video and uh, see what they are bringing in watch os 9 of course now let's move on to the mac and today they did something apple did something that they don't usually do at this worldwide developers conference usually this worldwide developers conference is all dedicated to software but they actually did announce some hardware here and that is a brand new macbook air with the which is going to be the first ever device or one of the first computers rather to feature the M2, which is an upgrade from the last generation M1. Now, uh, last year, uh, Apple started making their own silicon chips to power their computers. We've discussed this before, but before they were using uh, Intel, which is obviously a third party, now Apple is making all of that themselves. And I can say I have a few of these M1 powered devices now. They are they are fast and they are energy efficient. And so uh, this M2 is faster, more energy efficient. Uh, and so uh, this MacBook Air, for example, of course, it's thinner. It's got the MagSafe charger. Uh, for those of you who maybe remember the kind of old school Macs with that with that quick release magnet charger, that's back. Uh, that's been on the newest MacBook Pro for a while, but now it's on the MacBook Air. Uh, they've got um, you know an enhanced display. Uh, there, they've got a, a little bit taking a little bit more advantage of the space so that this display is a little bit bigger, uh, better webcam. Uh, and of course, it's completely fanless, uh, meaning that it's never going to make noise. The fans never going 
going to scream at you because there is no fan. Uh, and here's the thing. It's got up to 18 hours of battery. And I can attest, though I don't know if I've ever gotten 18 full hours. I don't know if I've ever even tried to push it to that limit. Uh, I will easily on my M1 Macs, uh, my M1 uh, MacBook get, uh, I mean, pfft, probably six, eight hours and really, uh, and still have batteries remain. So again, I've never actually tried to push it to 18 hours, but it is incredible how fast they are and how much battery life they get. And so that is the new MacBook Air with M2. Now I am a little disappointed. In fact, I'm pretty disappointed because they also introduced a new MacBook Pro with M2, but I am gonna stand by the same thing I said about this MacBook Pro that I did about the last MacBook Pro with M1. You do not need the MacBook, it, it, let's put it this way. If you think you need the MacBook Pro with an M1 or an M2, you don't. You need, uh, you only need the MacBook Air. Now, and see, this is where the confusion comes in. I'm gonna do my best to help you understand it. And by the way, this episode's probably gonna be a little bit longer, uh, so continue to bear with me here. But I think it's worth noting. I've emphasized this before, but I want to say something about it again. This M1 or M2 powered MacBook Pro, it's very confusing because there's also a, there, there's, there's kind of two classes of MacBook Pro. There's the one now powered by the base chip, which would be now the M2, that's that's the latest one. Uh, and then there's the one that's powered by the, uh, the uh, I guess the, the Pro chip. They have the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. These are available in also in a MacBook Pro, but it's a completely different MacBook Pro. It looks different and it's uh, it looks different, it's more expensive, it's more powerful. So here's what I'm trying to make this make sense for you. The biggest difference between a MacBook Air, let's talk about that we're talking about the current generation right now, I guess that they've just announced the M2, but it was true with the M1. The biggest difference between the MacBook Air with M2 and the MacBook Pro with M2 is 100 bucks, two hours of battery life, and 1% speed difference. That is it. The MacBook Pro is almost part per part the exact same thing, uh, this version of the MacBook Pro. Please, again, uh, let me let me just stick with this here. Let me finish my explanation here, and then I will maybe talk a little bit about the, the higher-end MacBook Pro. But this version of the MacBook Pro, the M2 in this case, that has the base M2 chip and the MacBook Air, the biggest difference is the fact that the MacBook Pro is not quite as thin because it's not a MacBook Air. And so therefore it has a little bit more room for battery. So it's able to deliver up to a couple more hours in battery life. And again, 18 to 20 hours is not a big difference. Again, you'll I, I doubt you'd ever find a situation where you needed to push yourself to that limit on your computer. The other difference is the MacBook Pro with M2 technically does have a fan, whereas the M2 MacBook Air is fanless. And so what that means is that you can technically, because the machine can stay cooler, you can technically push the MacBook a little bit further in terms of power and performance. But I doubt that if you are in the market for a basic computer that you are ever going to need to do that. Because here's the thing, MacBook Air, speaking from experience as someone who used it for, I used the MacBook Air M1 for almost a year. Uh, I was able to video edit, run Photoshop, edit 4K video, do some very advanced tasks, and I never had an issue with performance. I never once wish, oh, I wish I just had the $100 more or $200 more MacBook Pro with M1, or in this case now the M2. Now, that said, I will take a moment to talk about the latest, the, the, 
the true, what I call the true MacBook Pro. The true MacBook Pro that either is gonna have an M1 Pro or an M1 Max in it. These are actual Pro Power computers. And if you do want even more performance for, like I said, things like editing video, I will tell you the rendering on these are, that's 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 what my current uh, computer is. The, the rendering on these is much faster. You can max out, you can have up to 64 gigabytes of memory. Uh, whereas with the latest M2, I believe the max is 24 gigs of RAM, uh, of RAM or memory. And, and so you can really max out performance on the, tr what I, well, again, I call the true MacBook Pro. So here's what it comes down to. When you are gonna be uh, in the market, if you're in the market for a new computer and you wanna go the MacBook route, if you are a video editor, intensive developer, graphic designer, and you really need the raw power, well, then you probably also have a budget of $2,000 or more. If that's the case, then you need the, again, what I call the true MacBook Pro with either the M1 Pro or the M1 Max. If you're not that, then you are just what probably 90% of computer users are. And what you need is just a simple consumer device where you can check your email and get on the internet and you know do all the different basic things that most workers, even people, or most people, even people that use it in a professional setting are going to use it for, then all you need is a MacBook Air. And you may not even need this M2 because also in typical Apple fashion, they decided to, instead of saying, let's just keep our pricing the same and then make the previous generation a little bit less expensive. No, 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 no. They decided to go ahead and keep the previous generation MacBook Air with the M1 at the entry price of $999, so $1,000. And now they've added in the MacBook at the MacBook Air with M2 for uh, what was it, $1,199. And the MacBook Pro starts at $1,299. So I can tell you this, if you're in the market for that baseline computer, you don't need, you don't truly need a Pro. If you truly need a Pro, do not buy this MacBook Pro with M2. Or don't buy the MacBook Pro with M1. Buy that MacBook Pro with M1 Pro or M1 Max. Again, I know it's confusing. I get it. I feel like Apple does this on purpose uh, and, and they slightly do this intentionally to confuse you and to make little upsells. Uh, but the, my opinion, the MacBook Pro with M1 and the MacBook Pro with M2 have no place in the Apple lineup because they, if you're a pro, it's not enough. If you're a true pro, like I, and what I mean by pro is, like I said, you are a a, a using a computer for intensive things like video editing, uh, lots of graphic design, things like that. If you are a true pro user, it's not enough power. If you are a true consumer, it's not enough, it's not enough extra power to make a difference because again, it's the same exact thing that is that you'll find in the MacBook Air. Like I said, with the difference of it's got a fan, it's a little bit thicker, so there's more room for battery. And like I said, it makes it maybe a 1%, by Apple's own statistics, maybe a 1% performance difference. All that to say, don't get distracted by this newest MacBook Pro with M2. 
uh, the, let's stick with maybe the MacBook Air. And many of you are probably gonna still be happy with the MacBook Air with M1. Because I can tell you this, the difference between M1 and M2, I wasn't blown away by, like 20 to 40% faster, depending on what you're doing. But again, most people are not even going to notice that. And so that is the latest Macs coming. They are supposedly being released next month. Uh, so I guess that would be July. And so keep an eye on that. Now, the next thing they announced was Mac OS Ventura, which is going to be Mac OS 13. This is going to be the software update that comes to all Macs. And uh, so a, a few things to hit. I think the most important thing to note, I'm gonna skip over some things again for sake of time. I don't use the built-in, Apple's built-in mail app, but they have made some improvements to that. And so um, they, uh, you can undo send uh, within a limited amount of time. You can schedule send, you can remind an email to come back to you later, uh, which by the way, that's why I've been using features like that are the reason I've been using a third-party mail app for the longest time. I don't know if this would make me switch because I really do like my mail. I use Spark Mail, which is a, a free mail client. That's what I use, but it is nice to see these changes come to the actual built-in mail email app. Uh, Safari, uh, some, some nice changes, things. I think the most notable thing though is their implementation of something they're calling pass keys. Basically they are looking at a, a, a future without passwords and rather than a password, uh, everything is going to work through the biometric scanning devices of your MacBook, your iPhones, your iPads. So that would be touch ID and face ID. Instead of me typing in a password, it's going to say, uh, again, and this is something visually you might want to go watch and see how it works, but uh, it's going to be like, instead of creating a new password, it's just going to authenticate everything by that touch ID or that face ID. And then it's going to store that across devices. This is going to be a huge step forward in security uh, as they, as even Apple admitted, it's going to be a long journey getting there, but their goal is to kind of blaze a trail and getting rid of passwords, which as you probably have heard, uh, the, pass, the more we rely on passwords for our credentials and security, the more of a threat that becomes in terms of getting hacked and things like that. And so uh, this is is a welcomed change. They mentioned a lot of stuff about gaming. I don't care. I'm gonna skip it because I don't, I do not use my devices for gaming hardly ever. Uh, so moving on from that, uh, and then uh, continuity, this was pretty cool. Now there's FaceTime handoff. So if I take a FaceTime call on my phone, I can pass it over to my computer or to my iPad. Uh, just, I can switch it over and they claim that it's completely seamless. And I think the, probably the other, I, I really like the MacBook or the, the messages rather send and unsend feature and edit after send. That was really cool, but I think Probably the most really kind of groundbreaking uh, uh, change here or, or a feature they're gonna add rather is now you'll be able to use your iPhone as a webcam uh, on your uh, computer. So they demonstrated taking an iPhone, mounting it to the top of your uh, of your computer like this, and they've got these little mounts that they're working on and so forth, uh, but mounting it to the top of your computer like this, and it just automatically works when you open FaceTime or another app that needs the camera. It's gonna use your actual high quality camera on your iPhone. I mean, literally, this is such an, the iPhone nowadays is such an incredible camera. And to be able to use that as a webcam, uh, people that watch uh, my, you know the, the podcast or they watch, watch by way of YouTube, or even when you get on, on a uh, some type of call with me, a Zoom call, you'll see that my, I have a really great camera here. I have uh, this nice blurred background and uh, it looks really professional. Well, that's because I actually have a high-end professional camera 
hooked into my uh, to my system. And so therefore, I'm able to use this uh, high quality mirrorless Sony A7S camera as my actual webcam. And well, now people are going to be able to have a similar high quality. You can use the portrait mode. So this you get this this blurred effect and everything. Uh, and you can use that uh, as 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 your uh, as you're using your iPhone as your webcam. Uh, so that was really cool. It's got the center stage feature, which means if you move, it's going to follow you. It's a really cool feature they've got on iPads already. Uh, and so the, it's, it's going to be a really awesome feature. And I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, they even uh, demonstrated a a way to have like a desk view. So, and again, it just boggles my mind how they're able to do this. So without having to touch the camera or anything, you can switch to what they call desk view, which is going to use the ultra wide lens of the camera to show what's on your desk. Uh, and, and, and again, this is something that I would encourage you if you really think it's cool, go check out the, uh, the video from the event and watch how it works. It is really impressive. And then they got to iPad OS 16. Basically everything we've talked about in iOS uh, is there, you know, all these different features. Um, they're doing some more with collaboration and things like that. Uh, and on the, on the kind of the utility side of things in terms of way things work, they're bringing a lot more desktop type of feel to things like the document menu, uh, advanced find and replace, uh, customizing toolbars, uh, things like that. Uh, and then um, they are, allowing you now, and this, this is probably the biggest update for the iPad. And it's also something they mentioned in Mac OS, but I think it's way, cause in Mac OS, I was like, I don't really care about that for that, but I can definitely see me liking this on the iPad is something they call stage manager, which allows you to manage multiple windows on your iPad. So you can, it's getting us closer than ever before to using our actual, uh, using our iPads more like computers. Now, uh, with, with iPadOS 16, if you plug in your iPad uh, into an external display, you're gonna be able to take full advantage of that external, external display and actually drag and drop windows between the displays. And it really has a very similar feel to Mac OS. So stage display is, is really hard to describe in terms of exactly how it lays out and works. But basically, if you have multiple apps open, uh, it will show you the ones you're not using actively to the side, show you the main one in the middle, still living room for leaving room rather for the, the dock with whatever apps you want to open next at the bottom. And then you can just switch amongst these different apps and it's all very seamless. And so again, you'd have to go look visually to get an idea of how it works exactly. But uh, this is something that uh, I, I do think, I mean, it says you can manage up to eight apps when you have an external display. This is available to the iPads with the M1. So the iPad Pro and the latest iPad Air would be applicable to that. So that to me was the biggest update for iPad OS 16. Well, that is a recap. And yes, even though it was a longer episode, it is much shorter than watching the full event. If you want to though, again, you can head over to apple.com and you can watch the full event from today's keynote. Now, uh, all of these changes, again, the new hardware, the new MacBooks, MacBook Air, don't worry about the MacBook Pro because it's a complete waste, but the new MacBook and MacBook Air, those are coming 
in the uh, in in next month in terms of they'll be available. I would imagine it's going to be a pretty limited quantity that's available because of all the supply chain issues. Uh, Apple has not been immune to that, though they've done a pretty decent job of managing that. And uh, but then also the um, the uh, the software, all the software launches are coming later this fall. They did not give specific dates. Now, one thing I will note that they did not mention was they did not say anything about tvOS, which is, of course, the Apple TV. Usually they announce this alongside. Now, they alluded to it maybe when they talked about the home app. So they said nothing about that, which tells me they might have something big for TV uh, in general coming this fall. And so we'll see more about that. But all of the software, iPad OS, iOS, Mac OS, and Watch OS, those are all set to launch later this fall. Well, did I miss something? If I if there's something that uh, they talked about that I missed, didn't cover, skip for sake of time, but you thought was important, let me know. Uh, drop some comments uh, if you're watching on YouTube. And do make sure that you're subscribed while you're there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and wherever you're listening to podcast. And until next time, I want to remind you, at your church, if you're a church leader out there, it's time for you to try something new uh, because you're going to find that it's so much better to fail at trying something incredible than it is to succeed at doing just the average. I'll see you next time right here on Church Media HQ.